Welcome to What Do You Think? I am Al. And I am C. Hi, guys. So, Valentine's Day. Happy Valentine's Day. Happy Valentine's Day, Al. Oh, we're each other's Valentine's guys. It's, I know, I it's, know. It's it's, it's kind of pathetic, but you know, yeah. what, what, I, what can you do I, in this economy, right? I got him a box of Lindor chocolates, not Godiva, Lindor, because I'm cheap like that. And I, the got, local and I got see like a, like a burnt DVD of like a really, really grotesque, like Italian porno. So, oh, so, uh, <laughs> you, you sallow or 120 days of sodom no, my no, no, favorite. No. It, it was the porn parody of sallow called uh uh, uh ballo called, <laughs> i didn't you know I'm what i was about no wait wait you know what I, okay it was the porn parody of sallow salt burn <laughs> god we need to stop shitting on salt burn i no, haven't we, even no seen we it. don't no we don't because zoomers love it and it's you know, have you had your moment yet when you see something that Zoomers like and you don't and you realize the generations have separated? Have you had that yet? Um, because Saltburn, yeah. Saltburn is it for me. Because I, I think ugh. I I think Zoomers like Saltburn on iron or ironically. Yeah, uh, so, some do, but I don't, irony does not give you a four point three on Letterboxd. I don't That's, think. I, I I don't know what like I know uh uh. uh the new it girl kind of with zoomers is Ayo Debiri. Uh she's she's the co-lead on The Bear. Uh she was oh, in yeah. Bottoms. Uh But she's no, for the record, she's really good. Okay. She's great and she's like she's like Letterbox's it girl and she did not like the movie at all. Oh good. I'm glad to see that she didn't like it. Assault burn. It's this Anyway, you know I, I got to say what though my last thing about yeah. it is I saw one thing that really summed it up for me and then I promised to never only always talk about this again. Mm -hmm. Someone called it the untalented Mr. Ripley, and I fucking love it. I mean, that. they're not they're not wrong, but you know, <laughs> no, right. like we should talk about date movies at the very least. Uh, yes, because what we're reviewing is a date movie. I think. What do you, uh, would you agree? It's definitely it's so it's a it's a it's it's a romance. It's a romance. Yeah. It's okay. Okay. So, folks, usually in December, there the studios release like like a couple like explicitly romantic date movies for the valentine's day weekend or you mean weekend... february you said december no i said valentine's day but never okay never mind what, you, whatever you, you, if i said back. december i'm sorry anyway uh they usually release something in this month uh in 2019 i believe it was the photograph which you and i both loved mm -hmm. uh i can't recall anything else because i usually don't watch romantic movies in february they um so what was last year's Okay, this is this was not last year's. This was years ago, but didn't Five Hundred Days of Summer come out around this time? Did it? It might have. I don't remember. That was so long ago. Yeah, I know. Um, famously, one of the best romantic com. Well, romantic comedies are pretty. They're not exclusively February. No, no, but they're not. I'm just saying yeah. that studios will always make sure to have like something in February. And and this you know, it's true. actually kind of funny that this was really the only thing out there, as far as I can tell. Yeah, there wasn't a lot. And I think we honestly have the, you know, and I'm not trying to speak any opinion on it here, but genuinely it's the actor strikes that I think affected that. Oh, that's COVID. true. That's so true. they were like, that. you know, when you've got a low budget, low budget becomes king in that scenario. And while this wasn't like minuscule budget, it was definitely lower end budget. Yeah. Um, yeah. So um, I was thinking like, do we just talk about date movies in general before we start in our review or do we kind of talk about 
the 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 creative force behind this movie and i think we can just do both i mean yeah let's much go to for say. both so uh date movie so there's this movie so there's this movie called heathers guys I'm just <laughs> <laughs> well 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 actually we can talk about that late a little bit later on in the podcast uh, yeah. Date movies. Uh, like I said earlier, I I mentioned that I really love the photograph. Um, mm-hmm. It's great. I mean, the Notebook is fine. I think the Notebook. The Notebook. Listen. So that's what I was trying to say. A lot of times in February, the the Valentine's Day date movie was some sort of Nicholas Sparks adaptation. That's right. It's usually that. And like, you know what the Notebook is? The Notebook is like, think of okay. So. There's Titanic, which is like, you know, you know, big budget, sappy melodrama. I got, I got, I got a, sorry to interrupt, but I got a great analogy for you. What is it? The Notebook is the Ruth Chris's Steakhouse of rom-coms. Not as, not as bad as Longhorns, but nowhere near the heights of like, of like. An actual place. Like an actual steakhouse in New York City or Chicago. It's the best chain. You know what it is? So Ruth. It's I love that analogy because really it's like it's passable, but it's like it's got that like so you know what it is. You've been to so I'll shamefully admit I've been to a Ruth Chris. Okay, sure. And so famously, I don't know if they still do this, but for years their cutlery was made from pewter, like their plates and their yeah, at least yeah, their yeah. steak knives yeah. were. And I could always taste it. Oh. Like when I, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. So that's why, like, I'm one of the. I feel like, like, I, I know what pewter taste, pewter the metal tastes like, and I shouldn't. And literally, like, when watching the Notebook, which yes, folks, we've both seen the Notebook at some point. We had to go on a date, and guess what? At home, and we watched it at some point. At some point, it's like watching the Notebook is like you take a bite into that steak, and it's definitely steak, and it's definitely char grilled, and it's got some salt on it. But you just then have that pewtery aftertaste in it that's like coming from the cutlery of what you've enjoyed. So you just can't get rid of it. But it's still like a fine steak. Mm-hmm. So that, that I completely agree with your analogy in that way. Okay. Um, so what has been like a recent like date movie, quote unquote, that you've seen that you were like, this is great or like this really sucked? Oh, um. <laughs> I don't want to say the photograph again. That's shitty because I went yeah, by yeah, myself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, sorry, no, not the photograph. You know what I'm saying. Um, you could have seen it by yourself, but it had to qualify as like a movie that was definitely like a date movie. Okay. Um. Oh, you know what I saw? Uh, well, okay, this one was sad, but I think sad romance movies can kind of count. Um, yeah, yeah, totally, totally. The one with the guy from Big Bang Theory, and it's like the, is, is, he met the guy. Oh, it's yeah, the, with the Smurf scene. With the Smurf scene. That's a really – I saw that. We didn't end up doing an episode, and I didn't push it. I think just because we were we were really busy at the time, and it was such a sad movie. But Spoiler alert. That's what it was called. Yes, yeah, spoiler alert. That's a gr- It's a great romance movie. You know, you've got the big sick before it, but I would actually – controversial hot take i think spoiler alert was a bit of a better movie although they were both very close mm. in in quality so um, i i a couple days ago and I, I did watch this with my partner i just i saw so folks there's this kind of actress that's kind of on the rise she she like got started in the la improv scene i think uh maya erskine 
she was like in a show called pen 15 i never saw it but uh but now she's like she's like the mrs smith and mr and mrs smith with donald glover and like mm -hmm. she's in this like netflix show called blue white samurai that's like apparently going gangbusters everyone loves it so she's yeah. kind of on the rise but in 2019 she did a movie with uh with uh uh what, what what's the what's dennis quaid and meg ryan's son jack quaid she did a movie with jack quaid called plus one and see, I got to say, Plus One was such a treat. Such a treat. I, I really, really enjoyed it. It's basically, the, the thing is, these two friends who are alone are like in that part of their lives where everyone's getting married. So they decide to be each other's Plus One for like 10 weddings across like the wedding season. Hmm. Very sweet little movie. Uh, was was written pretty straightforwardly. Uh, and refreshingly, like it wasn't, there wasn't, you know how like a lot of romance movies are like, are they into each other? Are they not into each other? And it's not much of a spoiler in this one. It's just different. It's just different. Uh, I really mm -hmm. enjoyed it. Uh, nice. I, I would say, give it a watch. Um, it actually, after I finished watching, I was like, huh, I kind of want to see that Amazon prime, Mr. And Mrs. Smith TV show now. And I had yeah. no interest in watching it before. I, I actually, so, uh, our good friend Jay and I have been watching it. Um, it's a little a little slow at first, but I actually, we have been very much enjoying that. So if you catch it, uh, let me know what you think on that. So kind of going on to jumping off date movies and going into the creative force behind this. Diablo Cody, mm. uh, argue, I wouldn't call Juno a date movie. No, no uh, but definitely like she, she has, she, she has, she writes romance pretty well, but it's always like in the, in the realm of like another genre, right? Mm -hmm. uh, you uh, like Juno. It has like this this romance between uh, uh, Ellen Page and Michael Sarah's characters, but that's something different. Jennifer's body has like Amanda Seyfried and the guy she's interested in, um, and then young adult <laughs> between uh, Charlize Theron and Pat uh, and what's his name, um, Patrick uh, Patrick Wilson. Mm -hmm. uh, so, so I know awkward transition, but Diablo Cody, uh, see, what are your thoughts on Diablo Cody? Um, by, by the way, I just, sorry to interrupt. She's, she's like a writer primarily. She yes, got her Diablo start Cody with Juno. She's, and she's like one of those writers that you can tell her dialogue in, in the movies she's written. Okay. Go mm -hmm. ahead. See. Uh, yeah. So Diablo Cody is... Diablo Cody is one of those writers that I know is very talented and I can tell, but some of the creative choices they have, uh, that they have made are not ones it's not ones I entirely agree with, but like, you can tell that she's very good. If that makes sense. It's like, so for me, Diablo Cody's two strongest pieces that she's written are Juno and, um, Tully, I think. Both directed uh, but, by Jason Reitman. Yes, both directed by Jason Reitman. I think, I, I honestly think that Diablo Cody's work sings the best when Jason Reitman directs it. They do have, they have this very prominent understanding of each other. It's why they've done three movies together. Um, they just get each other. Um, and I think when you have other works of Diablo Cody's come through, it's genuinely that I think it's kind of like, you know what it is? It's like um, when Oliver Stone directed something that Quentin Tarantino wrote, 
uh, and Quentin Tarantino very much didn't agree with the well, uh, Natural Born Killers. Yeah, Natural and, Born Killers. And Tarantino famously, very publicly, went on about how much he did not like Oliver Stone's interpretation of it. I think I'm seeing a bit of that in the things that Diablo Cody's things that are made that aren't directed by Jason Reitman. I mean, there's um, sorry to interrupt, but there's only really two. It's it's uh, Jennifer's Body directed by Karen Kusama mm -hmm. and uh, now Lisa Frankenstein directed by Zelda Williams. And yes, that's the Zelda Williams whose dad is Robin Williams. Is that only two? I thought there was another that. Oh, I mean, young adult was sorry. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Young adult was. Oh no, no, there was another Ricky and the Flash. Uh, That's right, and I, I, that movie is it's it's not. Do you know special. who directed that? Who directed Ricky? Jonathan and the Flash? Demi. It was the last thing he ever directed. Oh, that's freaky. Right. You know, that's that just goes to show you sometimes the last thing someone directs is not uh not the high note. Um, okay, but so that's what I'm saying is like Diablo Cody is definitely a talented writer, but. With those two strongest movies in mind, they still have choices that I think aren't the strongest. Although, I have to say, there is a scene with um, in Juno that I think every screenwriter has to watch. It's the scene with Elliot Page and they... Um, He's going... Uh, Elliot Page is going... Or Elliot Page's character, Juno, is going to the abortion clinic. And then they uh juno has that conversation with the person at the front desk and there's like they're talking about like the the condoms that have weird flavors and then juno decides to not abort the child and leave but beforehand she saw juno saw a friend that was protesting and then she left and the friend like cheered her on that scene if you include those two bookend moments is a really interesting scene for an for a writer to study because it's playing out actually all of the hyper stereotypes of the people on both ends of that opinion. Mm -hmm. But it then shows Juno making a choice entirely on their own, despite those, mm -hmm. which is really interesting. And someone, it was broken down to me and actually in our film school that they went to, they pointed out how like, yes, these two influences existed, but Juno made a choice on their own for reasons that were completely unrelated. Yes, there's like a line that's brought up, but it's it was basically, it was kind of an Anna Karenina moment where it's kind of like, I'm making this choice, fuck, fuck what everyone else says. And it's really, it's the best way to do that. And that scene is, that scene in a movie that's those overall very good, but that scene is brilliant and mm -hmm. should be studied. But yeah. that's my thoughts. Yeah, so I believe it or not, I didn't see Juno when it came out. I I saw it like in college, uh, but I did see Jennifer's Body when it came out, and I was like, "Oh, the dialogue here is really like snappy," because you know I would just watch what was in theaters, and and you know usually at the time you didn't get like a lot of like not like wide releases in like where yeah. I was living at the time. Uh, so I was really surprised by that. And uh, she she didn't write any because I think guess she was focused on her TV show, United States of Terra, which I haven't mm -hmm. seen. Did you did you see it? I have not, but I've heard very good things. Um, so so when she did young when she wrote Young Adult and it was directed by Jason Reitman, I was like, huh, the, the dialogue is even snappier. That's really interesting. So, you know, it, I was never like searching for her when a movie written by her came out. But I, I always felt like I I could, you know. I could expect that it was going to be snappy dialogue, 
really like really well realized characters and characters that kind of had a twist to them not a twist they they came at it uh, the the characters would come at things from an angle that you wouldn't expect right the like, depth was different yeah yes. that's that's the best way to put it the depth was different like like um uh, pa uh Patton Oswalt's character in Young Adult you think he's going to be a certain type of character but he ends up being something totally different mm -hmm. uh or or even Patrick Wilson's character in that um or in oh, yeah, in, right. in Tully like uh like uh uh the the oh, god um the husband played by mm -hmm. Jay Duplass right you yeah. think he's gonna be one thing but he, it ends up being he ends up, you think he's gonna be one stereotype but he ends up being something totally different which I'm gonna talk about later on that also I have to bring up the scene in Tully that really hits me hard is actually the uh, dinner party scene mm. where like that scene's really good because like they're talking and then uh the lead says something that like you sympathize with, but is also kind of a shitty thing to say. Yeah. And the friend literally calls it out for being a shitty thing to say. No, it, that's and exactly. Really, and it's really, it's like, it's not, it's funny now looking back at it, but it's like, it's that example of that snappy dialogue where you're talking about where it's like, yeah, let's break apart this uh, dinner party sequence and just accept like, yeah, you should. It doesn't matter that the audience sympathizes with you. Fuck you for saying that. Yeah, no, totally. Again, that, that that's something I like about Diablo Cody is that she's like, okay, what's what's kind of a tropey stereotypical character archetype? All right, let me let me like just tweak it a bit so that they become more three dimensional. I really like that in her writing, right? Mm -hmm. You know that she's like, okay, th this character is gonna be like this, but I'm gonna tweak it just so there's some dimension to it. I really really like what she does there. Um, so yeah, Tully came out back in 2018. She hasn't done anything roughly for like six years, yeah. roughly. Uh, and you know, like, I guess she wrote the, this project, Lisa Frankenstein. And uh, here's where I was surprised. I had no idea Zelda Williams even had an interest in like filmmaking or or anything involving I didn't, Hollywood. I didn't, I didn't put it together that this is who, this was... Robin Williams's daughter until you said something and I'm like, oh, you're right. That is, that was that like was the name. Like That's straight, straight up. When when I when I saw the trailers, when I knew it was Zelda Williams, I was like, what? She she's she like does she like shoots films like since when? And since uh, new, I knew I, I knew she was like she would act in some things, and then it turns out that she like does like she's been doing music videos since like 2016. Oh, really? Any we yeah. know? Uh, stuff by JoJo mostly. Okay. Okay. Um, and she did like a short film right before she did this uh, about a sorority. Um, so, so yeah, it's like, oh, she's, she's like acted in a couple like indie things in LA uh, and then like does just Jojo music videos. And I was like, oh shit. Right. But uh, you know, directorial debuts are their own animal. See, you know, this Um Sometimes they're like super low key because Ugh. obviously budgetary reasons or, or, you know, they, they don't want to, they don't want to like, like have something that's just out of their reach. Like they, they want something that they can grasp. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. um, or other times it's just like balls to the wall insane. Uh, I think the best example of that is uh, when uh, with uh Swiss Army Man, right? The Daniels. They yeah. just decided to go out. They they were like, fuck this. Let's go out there. And then something more low-key, I would say, is uh, like Ryan Coogler with Fruitvale Station, right? 
mm-hmm. relatively low key, right? And relatively low key and within and within their grasp. I mean, I mean, you know this. So it's always and sometimes you know uh, when you're doing a directorial debut, it, it doesn't land. It doesn't Correct. land because you've either exceeded your grasp or quite frankly you played it too safe uh, i don't know you have any thoughts on that with directorial debuts um no it you, is... you, you know just in general you don't have yeah. to get specific no 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 yeah um i think i think zelda williams has taken the right approach in the sense of you know doing smaller things which any director should do but i think doing a first feature is such a leap and it's it's so weird looking at like the big great directors of the era and how so few of them well there's exceptions but so few of their first feature film is any good or like what later becomes but what's funny is nowadays i feel like today's like hollywood judges the first feature much more harshly than they used to. Oh yeah. When the quality has not necessarily gotten better nor worse, mm-hmm. which is unfortunate. I think it's just whether it's it's well, I do think it speaks to the larger problem we've spoken about with Hollywood where they're less forgiving of new ideas and new concepts. So it's like you have to stick the mark the first time around or else, you know, if you're related to someone famous, you'll get lucky enough to just be regu- re- relegated to television, which isn't fair if you end up being very good and just didn't know it yet. So I just think, you know, first features more often than not, I think flop or don't mi- or, or, or miss the mark. But we have become as a society, I hate to use that word term, but honestly, it's true. We've become less forgiving. Okay, so right before we start the trailer, let me just give a quick introduction to what exactly Lisa Frankenstein is about. So Lisa Frankenstein is basically about this uh, little kind of outcast girl and somehow or another, this uh, undead zombie comes into Mm -hmm. her life and uh, shenanigans ensue. I'll get into more specifics once we play the trailer. Uh, And how about about this? Should we watch the trailer? Yeah, let's go for it. There's a young man. I talked to him. I wish I was with you. That's really weird, Lisa. I'm the greatest. God created. Power driven. On the mission. Taffy says it's a waste of time to try and fix a boy. It's better just accept a guy's flaws. Oh, that's so cute. <laughs> I can't do that. Not until we bury the body. There is no turning back now. This goth phase in soon. Yeah. 
Alrighty. I gotta say, uh, little so folks, uh, if you watch the trailer, you're gonna assume that so the the, the film's called Lisa Frankenstein. You're gonna assume that it's pr- pretty much a, a a a more romantic comedy take on Frankenstein, except now Frank Doctor Frankenstein is a woman. That's not necessarily the case. So first of all, this movie takes place in the '80s, and the film immediately lets you know that like this is an '80s movie, right? Yeah. Uh, the tr- and and then following is that it's not really Frankenstein. Like, like, I don't even know why they called it Lisa Frankenstein. Her name in the movie is not Lisa Frankenstein. It's actually like Lisa Swallow, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, like, and, and the creature, she doesn't bring the creature to life. I, I'm sorry if that's, a, that's not a spoiler, she, is it? No, it's not. It's, it's, she, she, it, you no. know what this is? This is more like, uh, kind of, I'm trying to think of an 80s movie that involved like a, a weird monster coming to life. So look, I'm going to say what this is. I'm sorry, sure. but without, with the one major element difference, this is Heather's. That's what this is. This, it's not, obviously Heather's doesn't have a zombie or a Frankenstein creature. This is Heather's meets the, the what, what was that movie with the girl for, or the woman from uh, Sex in the City, uh, Mannequin? This is, uh, yeah. this is Heather's with Mannequin with, uh, with, I guess, Night of the Living Dead. You know what this also is? There's a movie that came out in the very early 2000s, like I think 2003. It's called May. Um, It's a very fascinating movie about this, basically this woman who builds her own boyfriend out of dead body parts. That's basically what it is. It's I'm not like going around to say this movie is like a triumph, but it's like, this is a very similar situation. And Diablo Cody, I hate to say it, I think you didn't, I think you didn't know a couple people may have seen that movie, including myself. But anyways, this is mainly, this is, this is uh, Heather's with, what was the other movie? Mannequin, you said? Mannequin. Mannequin Mannequin was basically this lovelorn guy, like puts together a mannequin in a mall. Mm. And through magic, the mannequin comes to life at night when only the guy is looking at her. Mm. Right. And it's played by one of the women who was in Sex and the City, uh, and it was a big hit in the 80s, right? In fact, this movie okay. reminded, I mean, obviously Heathers, the vibe, it, it has a Heathers vibe, but the plot is so much like those 80 movies where like there was like like weird science. Um, the I don't know if it was an 80s movie and an early 90s movie, but that movie where like uh, Brendan Fraser was like a caveman. You know what I'm talking about? Oh, um, yes. Um... Encino Man, Encino Man, Encino Man, because I kept thinking bedazzled. I was like, "That's not no, it." No, Encino uh, Man, uh, or or again, any any movie. Th- there were a ton of movies because you know they this would... is a little bit of weird science for the record. Yeah, yeah, no, totally. Uh, yeah. th- there were so many movies in the eighties that would do reruns on like Disney Channel or Nickelodeon, like in the late nineties, where it was always about like. This weird thing happened to this teen or this weird character is with this teenager, right? And shenanigans ensue. Um, and that's what I was thinking of mostly. I was like, wow, this is this is like this is like an like not an old plot, but this was like a very well well-worn plot from the 80s. And I think that was intentional on Diablo Cody's part. Sure. Um, but it was just so weird to me that like the trailer makes it seem like this is like a take-up of Frankenstein when the only thing related to Frankenstein is that. And this isn't a spoiler. It's in the trailer. She sews body parts on them. That's really mm-hmm. it. 
Yeah. Other than that, like, and, and they need electricity to activate the body parts to start working again. But other than that, this has almost nothing in relation to, to Frankenstein. Like the way the creature comes to life isn't, doesn't even involve her. He just happens to yeah. come to life. Yeah. Um, but that being said, that being said, see, what are your thoughts on the movie? What do you think? So my general, the thing that I couldn't get it out of my head with this movie is for whatever reason, and this is just the thing that sticks out to me the most. This movie was so eager to get itself to the next part of the movie. Always. That's what I couldn't stop seeing. It was like, oh, we're going to do that. We're going to like talk about what like we're going to set up the backstory. But real quick, we're going to go to this party. And now we're going to go here. And now we're going to go here. And now we're going to go here. And it's like constantly trying to move at a speed. I wouldn't even say fast. It felt like the director because I don't think this would come off come off in the if I read Diablo Cody's script. It felt like the director was trying to rush through things. It really did. Um, and maybe that's how the script read. I don't know. It, uh, that's very possible. It's not that long of a movie. But it was like, okay, we're going to hit this beat. But the other reason why I realized it felt that way is it felt like every five to ten minutes, depending on certain factors, it kept trying to create some sort of interesting, quote-unquote, iconic moment but that no one's going to remember. I know I'm be that maybe sounds a little cruel, but in the sense, like it was like, cause you know, how you, when you watch those movies from the eighties, you remember certain lines or certain clips, you know what I'm talking about? Mm -hmm. Or like li little scenes that now play on like YouTube shorts, or if you have TikTok on that, mm -hmm. where they just play that clip over and over again. Heather's is Heather's has a few of those. Um, I feel like, yeah, every five to 10 minutes, this movie would try to create that, but you create something like that by just doing it. You don't create something like that by attempting to make something iconic. And it really felt like this was trying to be iconic rather than just was being iconic, so to speak. I I, I guess I I understand your argument. I totally do. Uh, I, I I would just say straight up, I actually really enjoyed the movie. Um, okay. But I was really worried during that first act that I was not going to like this because... It was so the film starts off. I know I said immediately lets you know it's in the eighties. That's actually not true. It starts off with like a, it starts off with like a a, a credit sequence, right? An animated credit sequence. Am I the only one who thought that was kind of? I'm I'm so sorry, Al, but am I the only one who thought that that credit sequence was a little like student film e? Like it looked a little rough. Um, I I did think it looked a little rough, like. Like I get what they were going for. They were they were trying to do shadow puppets in the vein of like the shadow puppets you would see in like German yeah, but, impressionist movies. But shadow shadow puppets in After Effects look like After Effects. No, you're right. You're right. I'm I'm not saying you're wrong. You're right. Yeah. Uh, but but you know the the those that credit sequence gives like the backstory of of the monster played by Cole Sprouse, who mm -hmm. most millennials know. Uh, sweet, he was one of the twin brothers in uh, in Zack and Cody, the Sweet Life of Zack and Cody. Um, so anyway, and he was in Riverdale. I think he played like Jughead or something. I don't know. I never mm -hmm. watched Riverdale. <laughs> uh, so, so the movie starts off with like this animated sequence and I was like, okay. And then I had no idea this movie took place in the eighties. The trailer doesn't even let you know it takes place in the eighties. So immediately goes like, bam, it's the eighties. And I was like, okay, animated intro sequence. That's like giving off like a German impressionistic style and 
a very, very 80s looking scene. Okay. And uh, then, then the movie does this thing where it's like, oh, now she's like, she's been drugged. So then it gets super like heightened. Like there were like a lot of aesthetic changes happening throughout that first act. Like it even goes to like a black and white sequence at once. And I was like, oh, Miss Williams, you're going the wrong way about this, where you're like trying to find a style and you're just coming off as schizophrenic. Mm. Like I was like, oh, I, you, you, like you can't be a, a Tim Burton homage you can't be a, a 80s homage. You can't be a, a, a black and white cinema homage. You yeah. can't be a 60s psychedelic homage. You can't do all of that at once in one movie. That's just not possible. But, oh, and you can't be a gothic, uh, a gothic novel homage too. Mm -hmm. But I would say right before the second act starts, the film finally settles down and sticks with the 80s, 80s Heather's aesthetic which I really appreciated. And from then on, I actually really enjoyed myself. Um, that being said, I do agree with you. It sometimes felt like the movie was trying to be like, let's create, like, I wouldn't say they were trying to be a comic. The movie really felt like it was trying to be a cult classic type of movie. Mm, that's better, yeah. Yeah, like, like the way some lines were said, the way like some scenes were shot, it was very much a... Look at us trying to be like that new favorite underrated Halloween slash Valentine's Day movie, right? Like it was trying to be a, it was trying to be like, like Heather's is an iconic movie because it just let itself be what it was, which was a mm -hmm. black comedy set in a high school, right? Mm -hmm. This movie felt like, this movie felt like it, it knew that it could be a Valentine's Day movie, a date movie and a Halloween movie. And it was like in your face about it. Right. I, I totally agree with where you're coming from there. That being said, I, I'm not going to lie. Uh, Catherine Newton, who you and I both loved in Freaky, mm -hmm. not so much in Quantumania, but we both loved in Ooh, Freaky, no. uh, is actually and a detective Pikachu. She's good in that. Too. Oh, she's great in detective Pikachu, especially her relationship with her side duck. It's so cute. Yeah. Um, she she's doing a great job kind of doing the Winona Ryder character except with more like kind of winking at the audience. I thought she was able to, she played that pretty well. Like I, I never cringed at her if, if that makes mm -hmm. any sense. Yeah. But I agree. I, but there were two actors here that I absolutely adored. Absolutely adored. That was, um, that was uh, uh, the, the actress who I'm trying to find her name. Uh, well, first of all, it was uh, Cole Sprouse who played the monster slash monster boyfriend. I thought because the the monster does not say a word at all in the movie, all that like physicality acting he has to do, I thought he did a great job at it. And <laughs> he really sells that he's like such a lovesick monster, right? Such a lovesick zombie, right? I, I mean, I know everyone says like, ooh, lovesick zombie, Nicholas Holt in, in warm bodies. I'm like, yeah, but he could talk, right? Cole <laughs> Sprouse can't talk. And I thought he did a great, great job. His physical comedy is really, really good. And and every time, and I could understand what he was trying to do with the performance. So I thought that was very good. But my God, Lisa Soberano, who played the stepsister Taffy. First of all, the character of Taffy is such a refreshingly well-written, well-developed, quote unquote, stepsister archetype, right? 
you know, like, see, would you agree? Did did you find that character refreshing, or or did you just not care? Um, uh, one thing I liked is I liked that she was helping, but badly. <laughs> I, yes. I did appreciate. Yes. I did. I did appreciate that. That was interesting. I liked that she was like, "Oh, I'm I'm gonna make you feel included, and I'm gonna do all these things to help you." But I'm just so bad at it. So because, I gotta give credit there. That was that was that like, was good. Because watch any movies that takes place in the 80s, that type of character, the snooty stepsister, is almost always like a straight up psychopath. Yeah. Who's like not being mean because they're kind of ignorant over their lack of empathy, but because they literally know they have no empathy and just want to cause harm. Mm-hmm. Like, like hell. The brother in Weird Science should be in prison. The older brother yes. in, in Weird Science should be in prison because he, he like tries to kill those those guys. Yes, that's true. I forgot about oh yeah, he does try to kill them. No, I no, forgot. it was so refreshing because the moment she pops up, like she's she's in the trailer, she's the character who goes like that's so weird, Lisa. And you're like, mm-hmm. oh god, this is gonna be the crazy bitch stepsister character that's in the 80s movies. And as the movie kept going along, you're like, yeah, she fucks up. Yeah, she's kind of hurting her stepsister. She's a good person, but she she tries to be a good person, and she that's tries you, to be. Yeah. She, that's all you. So I loved her, and and honestly, this is the crazy thing. See, this is like her first American movie. She most she's like only exclusively worked in the Philippines cinema. By the, speaking, uh, I'm sorry. Where is this movie supposed to take place? Was this Hawaii? I couldn't tell. What this no, is supposed to be. no, it takes place in the Midwest. It, it's that like unnamed midwestern town that again you see in a ton of 80s movies okay because if for a second i was like and the reason the reason why i said hawaii like the color scheme they were using at times was very beachy at times which isn't exclusive to 80s i know it was common in 80s but there was like a lot of those seashell colors and i'm like for a second i was like i thought i heard some hawaiian thing but yeah yeah she was like like her stepsister was like won a beauty pageant that was sponsored by like a hawaiian punch okay that's what it was okay because then i stayed till the end to see where this was filmed and it was like the state of new york i'm like okay wait a minute now i'm but okay now that makes sense Mm -hmm. um i I, again i can't say enough this this actress like first american film does a great job i i'm actually excited to see her in more things lisa soberano you guys should probably look look into like what else she's doing because she's I have a feeling she's she's gonna hit it big because being that charismatic and and obviously it helps that Diablo Cody wrote a well written character but mm-hmm. I really like what she was doing here. Um, one thing I didn't like, and I've alluded to this already, is the first act they're trying they're doing so much homages to so many different varyingly different things widely different things, and the plot kind of reflects that, like so. So in most of these movies, folks, uh, you know, she's she's her her mom died and her dad remarried and the stepmom's a bitch. That's a very common 80s like trope. That's a very common 80s plot element. It's mm-hmm. very common in a lot of movies where it's like, oh, dad or mom remarried and I hate the step parent. Very common. Mm-hmm. This movie goes to step further by making this whole sequence of her mom getting brutally murdered by like that's a okay yeah i hated this bit too because you're like okay this is gonna lead to something because that and it doesn't it's totally superfluous yeah and i was i was convinced it did and then they realized they had to cut it for some reason but no maybe. it literally doesn't it literally doesn't though. like like 
like again this this is a movie because again look at all those 80s movies they're barely over 90 minutes no I barely and i i was convinced like this whole thing of like making her mom die because of a serial killer and mm-hmm. making a whole sequence about it yeah like at least do something with that thread or just get rid of it because it's like i guess they were like we're, we're trying to be super morbid but that kind of clashes with the 80s vibe that they're going for well yeah. that was that that as you aptly brought up it was like especially for the first act there's all these vibe clashes that just make the thing seem even more like sped up like again the rushed feeling i'm getting it didn't help that you're getting so many different kinds of genres very quickly that is like it's like i'm watching it and it's being fast forwarded but it's not it was very yeah. weird no and, and uh another thing that was rushed is that so the and again i'm referring to a tra- folks watch the trailer the trailer makes it seem that she's like this sort of goth girl from the beginning no she's actually like like a very like frumpy looking girl from the beginning right again her mm-hmm. mom died and all that and the 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 zombie basically is like hey wear this wear this which is a, like this really goth looking outfit and she just wears it and then she's like goth now mm-hmm. right and 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 she wears it and she becomes super confident Mm-hmm. And like I get what they were going for, but I was like, she went from like zero to a, to ten, and like in terms of confidence, out of nowhere, literally like a thing she was like terrified of. She just kind of goes like, like oh, even okay. like even the eighties movies had a montage, like it was like like the creature, like 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 in the, in the eighties movies, the creature would be like trying to teach her how to be more self confident in a montage. Yeah, right. Yeah, and instead in this one, it's like here, wear this, and she's like, oh, now I'm I'm top shit. Yeah, and I was like, okay, that's kind of okay. Mm-hmm. Um, let me ask you this: see, so the only thing that's kind of related to the Frankenstein story is that she sews on "quote unquote" fresh body parts to the monster, mm-hmm. uh, and the way they get those body parts is that uh, they kill some people. Mm-hmm. <sighs> I know that's kind of like the most direct homage to like 80s horror movies and like even Heather's to an extent. Mm-hmm. But did you feel like that plot element, that plot thread kind of clashed with the rest of the movie's vibes? I felt like it did. I felt like, okay. I, I... And it's the main plot, really. No, it's the main. So yeah, what it was for me truly is that this movie... This movie was trying to be so much so fast, and I sound like a broken record, but like, I wanted to like this movie more than I did. I really did, because it's an interesting idea of like, oh, it's this romantic comedy, but your your boyfriend is a Frankenstein. This like, is, it's- this is the romantic comedy for those monster fucker girls. I'm sorry for my vulgarity, but that's what they Jesus. call themselves. But like girls who have crushes on like Cthulhu and Godzilla and like great, like they went from like Twilight fans to like you. You ask them like who's a guy you're into, and they tell you like Al. I didn't I didn't know what this was, and now I know this is a thing. Now I didn't need to listen. You have to. I suffer. You have to suffer. Oh great! One time I had I did the worst thing ever. I was like, what is this? And they were like, well, you know, some some people just have crutches on the creature from the Black Lagoon. I and, knew you were going to say that. And, no, no joke. People were telling me that's what, why do you think so many people really like The Shape of Water? And oh, this God. is this is this movie's for like those people's like 
younger siblings who have the you same know, thing. You know what it is? I finally figured it out. What? Kind of speaking of the shape of water. Kind of. This whole fucking movie felt like a Tumblr page. Okay. Yes. And and you know what I'm talking yes. about. Yes. Oh my you know god. What the fuck yes. I'm talking about. Because I'm and listen, I'm not shitting on Tumblr entirely. I never partook, but I'm aware of its stereotype. Okay. We all are. So I'm like, you have these pictures and images and gifs of different things. And then like the person who has the page then uploads some original art that they're coming up with, you know, for this. Oh, what if this is my Frankenstein boyfriend. So this whole movie just feels like a Tumblr page where there's definitely some cohesion, but it's not consistent. And that's, that's what this is. This movie, this is a Tumblr page of a film that ends up just being, you know, fine, I guess, but it's just not, it's not, it's not fully there. You know, it's yeah, still, yeah, it, those it's, parts aren't fresh. So here's to speak. the thing. It's, it's a Tumblr page that out of no, it, it's like a Tumblr page. And then the Tumblr owner starts posting, like start po posting like grisly, like true crime, like pictures. Well, because no, that's what makes it more like a Tumblr page because as people who have Tumblr pages get older, their interests change. Yeah, we're okay, just watching. See, see. We're just watching those interests change really fast. It's like, wait a minute. Yeah, because because here's the thing. Like like if the movie like had the I guess the gore from this because the gore really doesn't start until like after the the monster's been introduced and like 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 a good bit of time goes by before the first kill. So when the first kill happens and it's it's not even that gruesome, but then like it just progressively gets gruesomer, gruesomer. Mm -hmm. I was like, this is like like the last kill is hilarious. Well, actually, no, the second to last kill is you know which kill I'm talking about is yes, hilarious. It, yeah. It's like wow, yeah. And it's, then like the it's out there, but then the immediate reaction is that like someone is traumatized out of it, and it's super realistic. Like, like super real, like, like almost unnervingly so. Again, Tumblr. <laughs> Sorry. Well, well, and that was the thing. I was like, that's what's bothering. Cause I know the main plot is like they're killing quote unquote bad people in order to like put them together. It was mm -hmm. that like, it would get like really gruesome or like really like real. Right. Cause, mm -hmm. cause and credit to the performer who, who, who performs the trauma, the trauma or being a trauma traumatized person. Mm -hmm. But I was like, it, they're so real where they're like screaming and don't want to be touched and like catatonic almost that I was like, this is what it is, is that they, they, they go with like a crazy vibe shift just because, uh, because they kind of want to do a whiplash type thing, not, not whiplash mm -hmm. like the movie, but like an emotional whiplash. Yeah. And it's, it's just causing the film to have like not a coherent aesthetic, if that makes any sense. Oh, hundred percent. The only time it worked was when she's like almost so so she's like she gets like she accidentally drinks a spike drink and someone tries to take advantage of her and that that's again played very real right mm -hmm. for a moment and then it gets super like stylized that's yeah. that worked because you felt immediately uncomfortable when you realized what was happening yeah uh, but then the movie was able to switch the aesthetic to kind of go back to being stylized and but you the effect worked it worked for me at least where i was like oh god oh god you better get out of there you better get out of there yeah that that part was very definitely very effective one thing i want to mention as well and i will not say what it was 
But there is a plot element that is introduced very much at last minute and at the end of the movie, which leads to that final set technically second to last, but for all intents and purposes, final kill. Um, I, let me be clear. I do not mind what the thing that they included was. I think that's fine. I have no genuinely no issue with that. My issue is in the way it was introduced where you almost state this fact just to so that you can do this certain thing. And I felt that was not the best way to do it. Well, like, here, here's the weird thing about it. Like the moment the, the second to last kill happens and you see how it happens, I immediately was like, oh, I get it. So when the character like orally explains why it happened later, I was like, I mean, I mean, if, if he if he did that, and he's been doing that just to get body parts. You should know exactly why he did that. Like, come mm -hmm. on. With that being said, I would say like the way Cole Sprouse like does his physical comedy when he's like quote unquote explaining himself, I thought was really fucking funny. It was my my also thing is I was convinced that the most important thing, the most important part they were going to grab, and this is actually one way in which the movie's subversion almost works, but not quite. I thought the last part they were going to get was going to be his tongue. But, you know, then they subverted it and did something different. Yeah, I thought so, too. And I, I did think it worked, but um, I did think it worked. Uh, one of the other thing that I appreciated about the movie, I don't know if it was intentional or not. I really appreciated that it appeared the movie just worked on, like, really flimsy 80s movie logic. Like, have you seen Weird Science recently? Not recently, no. The, the is, it really, is that movie really strung together loosely? Am I gonna well, like like the the quote unquote science behind it is such bullshit? Like mm -hmm. like not even a five year old would believe it. it. It does not attempt to be in any way, shape, or form, quote unquote realistic. Gotcha. It's just it's total bullshit. And in Lisa Frankenstein, the 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 way the I guess you could say the magic or the science works, it's total bullshit. And that's that's really how like a lot of these eighties movies ran on like. In Sino Man, the whole thing was like, yeah, he was frozen solid, and now he's unfrozen. That's how mm -hmm. he survived. And you're like, that's sure. bullshit, right? And, and Lisa Frankenstein has such a problem thinking of like why he's alive or why he's back alive or why he can put random body parts from even different ages and sexes together on him. Mm -hmm. Like total bullshit. And at first I was like, this is really shoddy like, ex like explanation. Mm -hmm. And then I was like, no, this is how 80s movies were. I don't know if that was intentional or not. I'm I'm assuming it wasn't because that's just because there were a few too many times where it was rough, in my opinion. Yeah, where you're like, well, like at the end when they're explaining, like, I have to do this, and I'm like, how the fuck does that work? And I was like, Well, yeah, I remember mannequin. I was like, how the fuck does that work? And I was like, oh, that's part of the course for these 80s movies. That's true. Um oh, uh, right before we give our rating, unless there's anything else you want to mention, I feel so bad. For fucking uh Joe Crest. Folks, if you don't know who Joe Crest is, he is a very he is a a former airman who is now a very well-employed character actor. Uh you may know him as the dad, Dad Wheeler from Stranger Things. And now oh, he, yes, and yes. now he has been condemned to always being dad. The, the dad in an 80s move, an 80s throwback. Yeah, I, I cannot. Cause turn because turns out he's really good at it. 
Yeah, I'm just glad that he he was able to play a lawyer in Killers of the Flower Moon. Mm. But like, imagine he's like he always gets a call. It's like I have to be a dad in an '80s project again. Oh my god! But you know, like I bet I bet Joe Crest was like, listen, uh, I got to be like in the mindset uh, for a Stranger Things. So sure, I'll do this. Yeah. Oh my god. Oh my god. I just I just it was that thing where I saw him and I was like, dude. You've been. This is your own personal hell oh, now, isn't oh, it? Oh, and I should add. I can't remember her name. The actress who played the step. Oh, Carla Guido. The, Carla Guido. Guido. Why? Carla Guido. Yes. The the mom from Spy Kids. Yes. But also from the fall of House of Usher, and um, I haven't seen that. Is that good? Uh, it's pretty good. But also, uh, Haunting of Hill House. Uh, I've seen that. Yeah, she's great in that. So Carla. Gugino is her name. Oh, and Geralt's Game. She's in that too. Yeah, she's really good in Geralt's Game. Um, No, she was great as the stepmom. Such a bitch. Perfect, perfect, like, foil to Catherine Newton's character. Really, yeah. really liked it. They don't overplay their hand with her too much. I, I actually really appreciated that because, you know, sometimes they can, like, really drag that out. Like, like look how much of a bitch she's being. And it's like, no, we don't We don't need too much of that. Yeah. Um, Is there anything else you want to bring up about the movie before we give our rating? I think I'm pretty satisfied. I can just, I, I'm ready for, to give it All to right, you. All right, go ahead. To quote uh, Cole Sprouse's character, I give this movie a or a meh, as one would say. Um, it's, I think there's definitely elements of it that work, but for me, I, I just, I kind of felt the same way as I felt with All Quiet on the Western Front in the sense that I saw, I kept seeing the references too clearly and too obviously so i just couldn't fully get into it uh that being said it does have the snappy Dia uh uh diablo cody dialogue so you definitely got that going for it and uh definitely some fun some fun scenes in there but i give it a or a meh i give this a a fun halloween date movie okay uh i i i gotta say the chemistry between Cole Sprouse and Catherine Newton is really well done. I really liked what Cole Sprouse was doing with the creature. He, he him and uh, Lisa Soberano, who or Lisa Soberano, who played the stepsister Taffy. They, I really enjoyed their performances. And Catherine Newton, listen, she's the lead, and you know she's kind of like you know the lead character is always kind of more trapped within the the kind of the parameters of what the lead is expected to do. So she can't be like as interesting as everyone else because she has mm -hmm. to be the lead. But yes. she was really, really, I, I really enjoyed her in this. She my, was, she was very good. My, yeah, the, the, the way I, I, I read a comment somewhere that said it looked like everyone in the cast was having fun doing this. And it really shows my problems with the movie mostly stem with just Zelda Williams kind of like, especially in that first act is like, does not know can't seem to pick a lane right like mm -hmm. like if you're making an 80s movie don't then swerve to trying to make an homage to tim burton and all his influences right mm -hmm. or 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 don't swerve into like getting all surreal psychedelic on me like like come on uh and then throughout the rest of the movie it was just like again like these directorial choices she was making that was like i again feel like clash with the aesthetics of the movie uh the kills Sometimes it just got too serious when this movie didn't need to be serious, right? Um, I, I get her intention. I just feel like the walking that line wasn't as good. 
That being said, there's enough talent there that I, I'd be excited to see what she does next. You know, it, it you know, because here's the thing about your debut movie. There's going to be some flaws, right? Like you watch the early stuff that Scorsese did, you see the flaws. Oh yeah, Boxcar um, Bertha's not good. Right? But slowly but surely they refine themselves and and I think Zelda Williams has the ability to refine like her 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 storytelling talents. Um and you know, I'll be I'll be interested to see what she does next. Uh So yeah, fun Halloween date movie is my rating for this. Um, you know, I, I do have to say right before we go <laughs> that, uh, um, the, the, the final, final scene of the movie, like I was expecting it. I really was, but I would not to spoil it, but I was expecting it. I was like, oh, of course they were going to do that. They had to, like, at some point they had to do that in order to justify like having Cole Sprouse in this project. Yeah. Uh, but then like the end reveal, the last reveal, I was like, that's bullshit. Like, come on. Like you can't like it, like they, they do something where you're like, I'll put it this way. If fire's involved, nothing looks like that. If fire's involved. No, I, yeah, that's true. That, and I was like, like, I was like, that's no, no. If fire was involved, nothing would look like that after after fire. Nothing. Yeah. Come on. Let let's be real here. Yeah. No, so, that's true. That was that was one of one of many reasons why I gave it a meh. Right. Right. Yeah. All right. So uh, this has been. What do you think? I'm Al, and I'm C. Meh. Good night, everybody. Meh.